What's cracking, lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast, the podcast about nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences, supported by 33 Fuel, who produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. I'm your host, Matt Gardner, as always, and I've recorded over 100 shows, lovely people. So if you're new to the pod, get on over, have a look at some of the titles, see what resonates with you, and I hope you get something valuable out of it. I hope you're well, hope you're maintaining social distance, staying at home, keeping safe. Now, today's guest, he's waiting patiently there, and uh, I really appreciate that. And it's great to get someone on the show and get back into movement, mobility. I've covered a lot of nutrition over the last few shows. So I want to introduce a chap called Harry Rowland. So uh, he's a dad. He's a movement and mobility coach, but he definitely wants me to tell people that he's also a bit of an ex-rugby player, uh, broken from rugby. So hopefully we'll hear a bit of his story and um, it's good to get on the show. I actually did one of his 360 movement classes this morning. Really, really interesting, challenging for the structures. Mate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. Cheers. Thanks for that intro, bud. No, it's all good. And um, yeah, so um, mate, how are you getting on in the lockdown? And um, yeah, what's it been like transitioning the business online? Yeah, it's been uh, interesting. I think it's uh, for a lot of people in my position in the in the fitness industry, it's kind of been, been one of those uh, races to get to uh, some sort of online platform, whether it be uh, Zoom or you know all these other platforms, Skype to kind of be able to carry on delivering your sessions to your client base and to kind of keep some sort of uh, momentum going because um, automatically, you know, everything stopped and um, I think it was a bit of a daunting outlook. But so far, so good. Um, I've certainly been able to kind of carry on operating with some PT one-on-one sessions and some online mobility coaching and then uh, launch my classes, which I was doing outside online. And it's been, yeah, it's been really good, really positive. Always going to be a little bit different when you're teaching in your in your living room and you've got dogs and babies and and everything else screaming. But you know, so far so good, and you're trying to make it the best out of uh, a bit of a bad situation. But it's all good. Mate, it was mega this morning, and I'll be exactly the same as you. I'd be pouring with sweat. I did your class outside because I managed to get the. No iPad had a little bit of Wi-Fi out there, but if I was inside doing some of those movements, especially the one near the end, you'll obviously give me the name, but it had to kind of be on all fours and then uh, reach the leg round, close fist in. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, the sit through yeah. Yeah, 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 I was dangling. And, and obviously when you were finished <laughs> and you were covered in sweat, I was like, good lad. <laughs> so, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure every time I do that session, my wife secretly goes and just turns the heating up a little bit <laughs> so she can hear me suffering. It's happened about three weeks. I need to clock on. I need to, you know, yeah. disarm it beforehand. But no, it's all good. But mate, if we um look, we'll circle back to the classes for sure. I'll put all the links in the show notes. But um obviously you used to play rugby and maybe just give us a little bit of uh, your story on the transition into becoming a movement and mobility coach, just quickly. Yeah, so um so I played rugby like anyone else uh, at school. Um didn't think I was any good at it, good at it. I was just one of these big kids and then um was around 17, 17, 18, doing some stuff with uh, one of the professional clubs and was due to go there after leaving uh, secondary school. Then broke my back, um, which is obviously a little bit annoying, and then uh, carried on, went to uni, got picked up by another club and then went full-time uh, at a club for two and a half years. Had a neck operation, got released from there, um, and then went and carried on playing for a few more clubs um, at like championship level. And then uh, at my kind of main club, which was my junior club, Rosen Park, 
um, and then had a 15, 14, 15 year career, three three broken backs, um, completely reconstructed knee, neck operation, plates in the arms and everything else. Many concussions, which I probably don't remember how many I've got, but you know, uh, it was a bit of a life lesson. But um, when I came out full-time rugby, I went into personal training and quite early on, obviously there was a lot of people in my situation, rugby players, footballers that were doing that same sort of thing and trying to balance their career with it. I um, Someone told me about why don't you go and try and teach reformer Pilates and I was like, why? You know, I've always been told, even when I broke my back when I was younger, that you should go and do Pilates because of your spine. So I'd heard the name and then I started teaching it. The company I'd worked for at the time was very, um, very keen on me putting my own signature on things using my sporting background within movement and applying it to a Pilates on a reformer bed and worked there for nine years and really opened up my eyes to where I was weak, where I was inflexible, what I needed to be doing with my body, working in different planes of motion, different movements in different directions. And it really changed and molded my view of what my training was when I was a rugby player. So for the next six or seven years that I was playing rugby and teaching Pilates and doing other training and you know lifting weights and whatever it was, I mean, I was never really injured apart from an impact trauma injury. I don't think I was ever, you know, off the pitch with a tight back or a pulled hamstring or just out of the blue niggle. So it really showed that it was the glue that was keeping me together to allow me to carry on playing. And when I finished playing at 31 years old, my final fracture in the spine, um, wife and wife and I had a chat and we were like, yeah, enough is enough. And it really gave me then a chance to kind of dive really deep into the movement and the, and the kind of mobility side of things and, and hopefully be a be a good role model to other retiring sportsmen and women and other people out there that you can have a lot of restriction and a lot of limitations but ultimately you can always better your position within your body hmm. and an example for the listeners and things like um you know a lot of the training classic may obviously power and strength based you're talking about planes of movement, you know, just basically up and down a huge amount of it, isn't it? That's still plane, you know, deadlift, military press, bench press, all these things that are obviously uh, cornerstones of, of movements for these impact sports and stuff. And obviously when we're teenagers, we want to build mass. So like there's not many people listening to this that won't know about those exercises or have probably done them. Um, and then, like you said, you're just changing the tune a bit. And, and then when you probably started to go like left, left and right, um rotate things like that you're thinking my god you know what's what's happening here and then obviously you just continue to learn anatomy coach people and and then obviously um you know fast forward to today you're you're producing a lot of different classes continually learning and then obviously working with people one-on-one to to help them feel better Mm, yeah and i think i think when when i was when i was in the rugby culture a lot of the time say the guys were doing a you know a lower body session and I would train quite differently to everyone else especially when I had a bit more control of what I was doing and I used to get a lot of you know a lot of guys laughing at me or kind of raising their eyebrows or whatever it might be because you're doing something completely alien and you know they're not to know that it's it's going to be any better for them or it's going to help further down the line or help with their performance because they're you know just following what the strength conditioner is saying but that strength conditioner a lot of the time is following the same rules of what's been done before and it's not going in with a fresh view of, of how our movement could be bettered. And I I always remember doing a Turkish get-up and the amount of weird looks I was getting from someone and I was just like, this makes me feel better, this makes me feel stronger, this makes me feel like I can perform better on the pitch when I was playing. So I think it's, it's no one's fault, but I, I do think 
a lot more education can be shown out for young young athletes in training different ways and you know the mass will eventually come it's not just about trying to throw as much onto your deadlift within that kind of 16 to 20 year olds uh, kind of frame that people seem to just really hit the weights hard and try and load up so much so I think yeah moving in all directions is something that we all need to be doing a little bit more mm. and I've been asking guests this um, mate recently in terms of uh, learning and you know people have got time on their hands at the moment and they're picking up new skills obviously you know they can go and do the classes and things like that and, and be taught by professional like yourself um, but how do you learn new things mate do you do you read do you have to then do the movements yourself do you listen to things um, is it is it kind of visual uh, what goes on there because obviously there's a lot of complexity around what you do, but then you have to translate that into, um, I don't want to say simple, but you know it needs to flow and you need people who have got a lot on their plate anyway um, be able to do these classes and, and reduce a lot of decision fatigue. So you know what's the process behind putting these kind of things together, mate? Because obviously I log on to Zoom, you put on a class today, really, really interesting stuff. We can get into you know exactly what they do in a minute, but... You know what what goes on un, under the lid when you're putting kind of these things together. So um, I think it's probably for the first five years of, of coaching people, I was uh, very much I would kind of follow things from an exercise library standpoint. Um, I'd know what would work for me and where I was restricted, and I would try and apply that kind of those releases of things that benefited me, and then go right well. You know, my lower back's tight, my hamstrings are tight. These things that you would see quite a lot in other people that you were coming across. Um, so things like straight away was, you know, quite an early cue of like the direction of your knee when you're going into a lunge or a squat. You know, you start to look at, right, you're asking your knee to be outside your big toe when you're squatting or lunging. And then you're starting to go, right, well, what causes that? Right, it's hip rotation, connection with the glutes. So you start to draw a bit of a map um, with your body and start to understand that you know you're not individualizing one movement you're actually trying to integrate your whole body into a movement so I would always look at trying to create as much rotation in the joints and using the floor to create as much stability in the body once I felt that someone was feeling strong and stable from kind of creating tension and torque in the floor that's where I would normally try and program from once I felt like people had that good strong base and then it was very much for me, learning, you know, Kelly Starrett's Supple Leopard book was an early book that I really got into and loved um, kind of learning from. Uh, you've got other people, I mean, the FRC side of things, I love listening and, and working with other kind of uh, practitioners from there. There's so many great people teaching out there. So, you know, so many more people more knowledgeable than I am as well. And you want to feel like a sponge just to take that in. Because mm. there's always a chance to learn something new and to pass something over. But I think, like you said, you can get very complex um, with your own learning. How can you deliver that in the simplest, shortest time to someone um, when you have, you know, 10 seconds to explain something? You need to make it in real layman's terms for people. Um, so it is, it's hard, you know, but again, as complex as something sounds, it's always going to be quite simple for them. And to use your body as your machine, not your machine, okay, to train your body, that's the best way I look at it. Yeah. Now, I think everyone can understand that. Like you said, if, if you're doing some of these 
exercises and you're involved in these classes and things you've got your mat you know you're in bare feet or in your your trainers and then you know everything either starts from the floor or stood up and then some of the exercises for example we did today you know we got lower body involved first then we went on to arms and shoulders and I think later in the class you know we, we were using the entire body and obviously starting to rotate and doing all those things so um yeah you almost you almost learn more about yourself as as you're getting deeper into the classes and things like that and just the way you're kind of talking about things you know using terms like exploration and and moving within your range and all those kind of things you can then take that um on on your own and then start to apply it because um yeah it takes time these things and and yeah from an energizing point of view it was actually fantastic this morning but then also you go away thinking actually you know I can work on these things whereas when you go out for a bit of a thrashing um it's not bad because obviously everyone wants to work hard do high intensity training etc um you know you, you you don't really reflect on those sessions as much um so yeah it's uh, it's it's just interesting stuff that's kind of why I wanted to get you on the pod just to tease it out a bit more because you know when people dive in they look at your instagram or they look at certain exercises you've got uh poles you've got clubs you've got kettlebells and all these things it's uh it's new for a lot of people isn't it yeah 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 i mean i i with the before we went into lockdown i um started running a class using the steel mace bells which i i was quite new to them but i, I love training with kettlebells and i love the kind of extra challenge that they gave Firstly, a movement, how honest and humbling they were in certain movements, and I just kind of learned a little bit more about the mace. Started using it myself and playing around with it, being pretty much uh, humbled by it in the garden with my wife laughing at me because yeah. I was swinging this around, thinking I was Conan the Barbarian. But um, as I started to apply the kind of basics of that, and then thinking, right, well, what are my clients lacking? Is a bit of stability, a bit of control, midline control. I was like, this is such a cool tool to give people. And then all of a sudden, you're giving someone a new bit of kit. As long as you're starting off kind of with the basics, you're not getting overexcited, you're not over-programming these really kind of flash moves for Instagram just for the sake of social media, and you're giving the people the best and the safest progressions. I could see all these people were having so much fun using a new bit of kit that was constantly challenging them and, and, uh, and, and, and making exercise something that they have to... Or not exercise, uh, the class, something that they really have to tune in. I find... When you talked about the thrashing side of things, there are some people that go to a, a class or a session, and it's like their time to switch off. Mm. You know, oh, this is my, you know, switch off time. I don't want to think about what I'm doing. I just want to do it. I was like, well, that's actually the reverse of where we should be. We should be going to to move our body and to really tune in to what we're doing and to feel things and really switch in and hone in rather than just to switch off. So. The mace, if you haven't ever used one, um, I definitely recommend trying to get your hand on one. You don't need a heavy weight, definitely, I can assure you that. I'm playing around with that. It's really good fun. Really good fun. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like... uh... It's setting another challenge, but then it's also having a word with yourself. I talk to clients nutritionally around this like behavioural contract that we're going to make. And I think when you said there, like tune in and switch in, um, we're going over habit formation and things and talking about the food environment. It's almost like, um, you know, putting that putting that into the movement side and being like, actually, you know, this is something I want to integrate into my lifestyle and my training sessions don't have to be in the red zone all the time. And I want to actually be aware of, uh, you know, where my body's going and, and the limitations too, because the good thing is, you know, we were doing some of these things this morning and, and, and you were 
obviously moving really well because you must do it about four or five times a day now <laughs> but then there are things where I couldn't actually I couldn't straighten my arm round over my shoulder and I was thinking you know what it doesn't have to go there today you know this is the first time I've ever done done one of these sessions hopefully if I can hang on you know in a few months I'll, I'll, I'll get there that's it and I think um exactly like you said there with the red zone I think this is again another another thing that we need to look at of course there's going to be times we have to take ourselves to the edge you know, and that's that's good. That's healthy for us to do that. But if you're not someone who you know is needed to go to the edge, and you're just you know your average person just wants to go and train as much as they can, stay fit and healthy, keep moving. You should be looking to operate at kind of a seven out of ten for most of your sessions. You know, it's that's really important. It's being able to kind of just take your foot off the accelerator a little bit and focus on your movement. So. For example, with the session we did this morning, we did a Tabata. Now, everyone knows Tabata has been 20 on, 10 off. That 20 seconds, you go as hard as you can. Whereas I just try to use it as 20 seconds of work that you can really concentrate, 10 seconds recovery, and you're doing eight rounds of the same movement. Mm -hmm. So you're getting your volume in, but you can really focus on just being slow. And by the time you're getting round six, seven, and eight, the movements are better, smoother, and produce with better quality than deteriorating, which is ultimately where we should be. We mm. shouldn't be working to failure all the time, you know? Mm. We want to live to fight another day, not just feel like we have to have three or four days off before we train again. So that's ultimately the way I try and tell my clients is just to, you know, ease off it a little bit. You know? Yeah, and it's definitely, listen to this, lovely people, it's definitely something to consider because, you know, we are in lockdown um you know this isn't going to go out today but i think if you're listening to this we'll probably at least have another couple of weeks um to say the least so you might have more time to train so people i know are putting in you know five six seven training sessions a week now um and they might have only been able to get one or two in um so that's a huge change like you said if you aren't if you aren't going to absolute max you know you can you can exercise more often and that might be better for the mind or that might help you with your energy in the mornings or things like that so no, mate, it's interesting stuff. Um, I think what, what I'd quite like to ask you, because obviously we've got a few more minutes of your time in terms of like practical recommendations. Um, mate, like mornings, you know, people are, have been lying in bed all, all, all evening, getting up. Um, everyone has a couple of minutes. People say they're busy, but everyone has a couple of minutes in the morning to start kind of getting ready and things like that. And if they do want to switch on a bit more um, to their bodies and, 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 you know, like you said, just tune in a little bit. Have you, have you got any uh, kind of like um, tools and tactics there? So if I give an example on a basic level, uh, always have a large glass of water when I get up to kind of hydrate and, and, and I think it helps lubricate things. You can obviously tell me that. Um, and then I'm just walking around in bare feet for the first half an hour. Yes, it makes my feet a bit dirty sometimes, but just just I find that it helps the toes and it helps everything uh, move whereas obviously socks and slippers go on um and i feel like that restricts me a little bit so they're the yeah. kind of two examples i don't know if that's the that's correct but they're things i do every day and they're quite simple yeah no definitely i think it's all going to be you know everyone's morning routine is going to be relative to them because everyone you know lives in different types of houses has have different um stresses in the morning or different responsibilities um what i would personally recommend is so the functional range conditioning system or the functional functional range systems which i i teach the, the fundamentals of that is what we call a cars routine so it's a controlled articular rotation which is basically a very complex name for joint circles and we look at doing a morning routine where you do 
every joint in your body, you work through it, it can take up to probably 10 minutes, 12 minutes the first few times you're doing it because you're probably not used to uh, moving, so you need to concentrate a little bit more. But after a couple of weeks, you know, that probably cuts down to about eight minutes of focusing work when you're just moving different joints. Now, the beauty of that is that I think people think, oh, I need to get into my sports gear and I need to, you know, be gym ready to be able to do some mobility session. It's not whatsoever. I, I try and break it as I walk through my morning rituals. So if I rise out of bed, the first thing I do is I just work on my spinal part. So I do a kind of a nice slow neck circle in each direction, a couple of forward folds and extensions with my spine, and then I do a nice spinal circle, which is all part of this morning routine. And then stood up, walk downstairs, set my coffee up, use my hand on the side of the kitchen worktop, and then I'm into my hips, and I'm just rotating my hips. So I'm trying to kind of it's almost like a bit of a storyboard where I'm just trying to work through different parts of my body as I work through. And, you know, ultimately we have always got more time than we realize. Mm. Um, and we can always make more time. It's about our priorities, isn't it? You know, really. And I, whenever I have this kind of conflict, people go, I haven't got time for 10 minutes to do that in the morning. But I guarantee you, I think we just spoke about this before we started, you know, it's how many people wake up and they go and look on Instagram or their emails in the morning. Yes. You know, is that a positive habit to do that first thing out of bed or you know that's probably quite a negative habit can you replace it with a positive habit which is about five six minutes of movement mm. which is going to make you feel so much better you know like you said getting your feet on the floor getting all the sensory feedback getting your body alive and that's mm. that's what we should be doing first thing mm. yeah i'm just i'm a huge fan of assistance work because at the end of the day you know if you're in pain or you want to progress and and you don't have the how then of course you know pay a professional um and uh there's so many tools out there obviously from classes like yourselves to then people see physios people see movement specialists etc but then you know that might again be once a week if not that could be once a month people go and see these 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 kind of specialists or do these classes because they are expensive you know they're they're kind of top ends whereas if you do these little bits you take advice from professionals you follow people um then you know you can do you can do uh little bits every day and, and it may help well, I think it's hugely empowering as well if you know that you can sort some of your own issues out. Um, I don't. I don't think there's anything more empowering and positive than going. You know, I've I've been going and seeing that physio, that chiropractor that make me feel great afterwards. You know, and they're taking away my pain. But are they looking at the preventative way of why that issue arose in the first place? Mm. And that's where you, I think we always individuals have to take that responsibility of why these niggles injuries this pain is appearing and how can we go back to the root cause of why that pain is and i think from a from a movement standpoint we've got to we've got to look at what's causing the pain and, and kind of follow this protect correct develop which i kind of look at it in a different way like accept invest okay and apply and inspire so you're trying to look at what potentially is causing the issue protect yourself from that start to apply the right movements and the right mobility or strengthening drills of what that is and then you continue to develop those good habits going forwards and you'll probably find that a lot of these you know rotator cuff injuries plantar fasciitis those things come about because there's something that you're doing to your body which is bringing that that negative response mm. so that was it what were the four again was it accept invest apply and inspire yeah yeah Improve and inspire. Sorry, improve. Accept, invest, improve and inspire. Improve. I'll put that in the show notes. Oh, so useful, mate. Fantastic. And, and, and if I kind of it, 
kind of progressed on from that, the accept thing is probably the hardest thing that most people miss. Accept that, all right, my hip doesn't kind of move in that direction or I've got rubbish shoulder rotation. Just accept that because ultimately you want to set where your starting starting point is and Mm. then you can improve from there on in. Mm. We've got this big worry about being a beginner or being mediocre at something. Whereas Mm. actually that's where you learn the most about yourself. All those kind of tough hours and minutes spent kind of not thinking like you're improving and there's that great um uh, kind of segment of the james clear atomic habits where it's about the have you heard that you read that book no mate i'll stick that in the show notes as well atomic habits i think i've heard about yeah, it atomic habits by james clear yeah and he um he talks about this ice cube about how he sat in a room and there's an ice cube on the table and it's 27 degrees in the room no melting of the ice cube 28 degrees no melting 29 degrees no melting 31 degrees, no melting. And then at 32 degrees, that ice cube melts. So it's about that kind of investment okay, into something. And just when most people were probably about to give up, that probably next day, they may have seen the biggest response and the biggest fix. Yeah. So it's about that investment and just not expecting to see huge, incredible results straight away. Yes, hopefully you'll feel some relief from your symptoms, but invest in it in the long term. You want it to be a habit of life rather than it just being, oh, something I do for a couple of weeks. Definitely. And I think piggybacking on on that in terms of the nutrition side, you know, the three aspects will be around like motivation, environment and capability are things that I kind of speak to people about. So obviously the how, you know, we, we know a lot and there are obviously things we don't know, but usually I can teach quite a lot to people but the motivation the why you know why are they coming in is that strong obviously the environment uh taking you for example mate busy teaching classes newborn obviously you're in the house but then uh who's going to go out and get food etc etc who's eating with you and then the capability side is um you know cooking skills sourcing the food uh storage things like that so that kind of gives you guys um as listeners something to think about from the food side and then obviously you've got all these things from the movement side and like you said it's just accepting where you are to start with and 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 just small incremental changes and it is rewarding and at the moment people might have more time to work to work on their bodies and like you said it might not it might not be the sexiest thing and it might not change them aesthetically but then they might just be able to get out of bed and feel good in the morning or or uh, commute home and 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 not be knackered and not be able to like stand up on the train without feeling sore yeah, and I, I, you know, my, my motivation definitely with the, with the movement side of things was, you know, I was constantly told throughout my rugby playing career after each injury, oh, well, you're going to pay for that. You know, by the time you hit 35 or 40, you're going to be really, you know, in a lot of trouble. I've got, you know, I've been diagnosed with arthritis in my left knee already because of the big injury I had with it. And, you know, you can, def- you can define yourself by the big A word, you know, oh, I've got an arthritic knee, or you can work to constantly, hopefully improve the way that knee feels. Yes, the arthritis might not go away, but I want to be able to kneel down and play with my daughter, and I want to, when she gets to a toddler, is be just as, you know, I'm never going to be just as mobile as her, but be just as kind of energetic and responsive on the floor and be down in these different positions and everything else like that, because you want to improve this whole kind of motivation should come from wanting to feel younger and move better year by year rather than going oh well I'm a year older these niggles these aches this stiffness is just going to happen mm. we've got to try and get our mindset in, in reverse for that and I think that's really important mm. mate 100% oh awesome I think I think you know I think that's a good place to um to end things in this and uh 
mate, it'd be good, especially I get questions and things as I post these shows and stuff. And obviously, if you're listening and, and you'd like us to kind of have another discussion and, um, you know, dig into a certain area, because obviously, you know, movement, improving movement yeah. and mobility, it's massive, but it's good to kind of get you on, introduce you um, and then maybe we can take things from there. So I think just let the listeners know how they can follow you um and stay in touch and and kind of like uh, get involved in some of these classes and and some of your one-to-one work yeah thanks matt um so my uh, instagram handle is at h space and that's s-p-a-c-e not just a space so h space movement um and then also my website the same thing www.hspacemovement.com um you can drop me an email or a message on instagram and i'm always quite uh, responsive on there we run online classes at the moment, obviously during the lockdown, that both cater for mobility and for something a little bit more endurance-based, like the one that Matt did today. But everything is with the focus of exercise or your session giving more to you than it takes from you, and that's really important. So that's our kind of motto at the moment. Amazing, mate. Amazing. Yeah, so I'll bang all that in the show notes, lovely people. And um yeah, you know, we to and fro on Instagram and stuff all the time. Harry's really easy to kind of get in contact with. And um yeah, in terms of some of the stuff, if you need a bit more information on uh the cars or looking at the mace and things like that, he's got videos up there. Um I think there's a few from your Pilates days as well, mate, when you're kind of stretching and bending around. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't 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 dig too too deep into the old YouTube archives. I think I might have a few uh <laughs> horror videos on there yeah, but yeah I'll, I'll, I can share the FRC cards routine with you and yeah cool other videos for sure for the guys yeah nice cool mate well I'll let you go back to it because you probably have to prep for for another session and like yeah, wake, wake the body up again <laughs> holding no. the baby that or holding the baby One yeah sounds alright lovely people look, thanks as always for listening um, look, it's great having you along uh, over 100 episodes now and um, I broke 20,000 listens last week so it's a real pleasure to bring you this it's a hobby it's something that um, I can do to connect with people bring friends on bring people on that are running cool businesses and um, yeah it's just really good fun so thanks for listening and have a healthy week